You're listening to The B-Side, a podcast of Blessed Hope Community Church. Hey, this is Malia, your host as usual, and today I'm joined by uh, Shauna, Pastor David, and Pastor Matt. Is this like two times in a row where we have... No, no last we, time we, we didn't. Had, Pastor Brian was with us last time, so it felt like a full room, yeah. but this is the yeah. whole band the before, back together, yeah. yes. right? Yep. yep. I feel like we got to take this on the road. Because <laughs> oh, everybody wants to watch us podcast. I don't I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true either. Is it weird that I enjoy it? Then? Um, no, I don't okay, think good. I think that's yeah. good cuz if we're just, not enjoying it then But but I should not think other people want the same thing. Fair enough. <laughs> they see our faces all the time. I'm pretty sure that's they don't need an extra well, dose of that. I mean, it's a good thing for us then that David looks heavenly. Oh, yes. That was our yep. conversation pre-recording. Yeah, you see how they're yeah, just uplifting me, calling yes. me heaven. <laughs> I'm sure Amy thinks that. Uh, There's a real long pause there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll right have to right now when she's listening to this, she's probably like, once it's put out yeah. there, she's going to be like, yeah, no. no. So <laughs> have it would I be ever awesome. given that impression that I feel? Amy, like when, you, when you are listening to this, when you get to this part, will you just please type in the comments um, whether or not you believe that David is heavenly? And that'll be appearing, fun for all of us. Look, appearing, looking, yes. Yeah. Hey, I have a heavenly glow. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's yep. disguised in eye rolls and... <laughs> Disdain. <laughs> if God didn't want me to do it, he wouldn't let my eyes be able to do it. So just sounds like an argument that a 12-year-old I'm would just, give their just parents. I'm just using what he gave me. Fair enough. Wow. All right, so we are well, way off track. Yeah, um, but you know, that's, that's what we do. That's par for yep. the course. Yep. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> We are talking resurrection today, so pretty yeah. important. Um, I really enjoyed the sermon on Sunday, and I heard some good feedback from people. Good. So, yeah. Good. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, you know, the resurrection is one of those topics that um, it kind of preaches, right? <laughs> like, you know, right. it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll get you going uh, if you really think about it, um, because Everything that comes with the resurrection, um, I mean, should just make us so free to live a life that that honors God in a way that nothing else would. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really yeah. exemplifies faith in a way that nothing else can. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, just as a side note, one thing I did notice because mm-hmm. um, I think probably the vast majority of us in the congregation have read chunks of first Corinthians or had it come like appear to us in different devotionals or other sermons or whatever. But I was listening to something the other day and I don't remember what it was. And he was referencing first Corinthians, but I knew it before he even said where, and I was like, that's really cool. So there you go. Yeah, I would yep. say anybody that's been faithfully tracking through this series, not to say that David and I are experts in any way, shape, or form, um, but I would say that as a church, you know, mm-hmm. as a church body, um, because of the depth of study that we've done, if you've been tracking for this whole um, 2021 so far mm-hmm. with with us in First Corinthians, uh, I mean, we're we're just about 
I, I'd say experts on First Corinthians at this point, um, not because of the teaching necessarily, but because of this, the amount we've been in it and chewing mm-hmm. through it mm-hmm. and wrestling with it and talking about it. Like we kind of get a flavor for what Paul really was saying. And, yeah. and so I, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of mm-hmm. a cool moment right. <laughs> for me. Whenever you can like think, oh, I, I know exactly where that's at in the mm-hmm. Bible. That's always fun. So thank you for yeah. that, guys. Yeah. It's been good. Mm-hmm. So how many, how many more Sundays do we have? I know we're going to pause yeah. in a couple weeks for Faith in Action. So we have four more Sundays. Okay. So two more in 1 Corinthians 15. Pastor David's going to bring it to us this week. Um, and then I will finish up chapter 15. Uh, we'll take a pause for faith in action and then we'll split chapter 16 into two weeks. Okay. We Have you noticed? I feel like whenever David has preached during this series, he's always got a really long chunk of text. Yeah. My my wife's mentioned that too. Yeah, I was like, because I'm reading through it. I was reading through it yesterday, and I was like, oh, there you go. Yeah. Once again. <laughs> how much do you have this coming Sunday? Uh, I don't know. It's not as long as some it's of not as long, that he's but had, yeah, no, but it's still longer. Yeah, yeah. no, the only, yeah. the only real, real <laughs> He's got long 12 one. through 34. I should be like, how are you going to get that done? In that amount of time? Oh, yeah. The only real, real long one I think I've had that's been like, oh, that was too much was chapter 7. Uh, which mm-hmm. was 40 verses. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah, uh, so there have been a few of those. And, and you know what? I guess in thinking about it, they have kind of all landed on your lap. And that's, <laughs> that's all good. Weird. Well, <laughs> that's, that's weird. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. Hey, I didn't have to take the women yeah. be quiet one. So I'm yeah, yeah, that is yeah. true. That was a fun that's, one. That was fun. That was, but you know what? I think we all learned something from that. Because yeah, that, that has been a, that was a hard one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so are we talking Pastor this David, morning? He was very pastoral for me when I said, Hey, I got a question for you. He's like, Nope, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Are we so, talking I'm touching it. <laughs> this morning just one through eleven? I think or we, are we it, gonna it, are we gonna talk a little bit I think about we, the Sunday? We can look or? ahead. How okay. they flow together makes perfect okay. sense. All right. What you got? Well, I, I would just say, like, to talk more about this, I, I just want to reiterate um, maybe um, kind of the crux of the issue for the church in Corinth uh, wasn't necessarily did Jesus raise from the dead, but the question really centered more around if Jesus raises from the dead, what does that mean for us? Yeah. Um, are we going to get to also? And I think that's part of what um, the, the whole rest of the letter or the whole rest of, of the chapter deals with questions about our resurrection, right? Mm-hmm. Because if Jesus is the first fruits, right, he, his resurrection signifies this, this first of the wave of what's to come, then what does that mean for us and what does that look like? And so, so I think there, there's a, it's important to understand that, that uh, Paul starts with Jesus because he is the primary, the first, but then the whole point of this section is to teach about what that means for believers. Um, and that's where, where Pastor mm. David will jump in talking about bodily resurrection and what that looks like for, for Christians. Yep. Yeah. So um, when Matt's preaching on Sundays, do you, I mean, are there things that you're like, oh, I would have done, I would have said this or, um, here's a question I have, or, I mean, do you have those? Yeah. There are moments, there are moments this Sunday, not necessarily. Uh, I think cause we have a, a class that meets in the afternoons and I mean, we mentioned it a couple of times during that where I thought 
Matt did an excellent job this Sunday, especially the end, um, kind of summing that up of uh, the gospel and, and response to the gospel and all of that. Um, you know, one of the things, I, and you did hit on it, one of the parts I love about that passage uh, also is Paul's um, confidence in, you know, I love how he's like, and you mentioned it. You want to go talk to somebody? Go talk to Peter. Five hundred. Like, go talk to these people. You know, sometimes we read that stuff and we don't. We miss the significance right. of what's really being said. Where you know, like, how do we know the? You know, people now would say, "Well, how do we know the resurrection really happened?" Well, Paul just answered. He's like, he had enough confidence to be like, "There's a lot of people you can go talk to if you want to go talk to these people." Well, yeah. And, like, and there's no there's, ancient writing from this time of people saying, "I did what Paul said and they said it wasn't true and like I mean you're not finding that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, there's a that's what's yeah. interesting about Bible study is we read it so fast sometimes or yeah. we just kind of uh-huh. go through it real quick like, "Oh, I read my chapter." Right. Where we don't really stop to really understand not like these deep theological things mm-hmm. sometimes, just the really clear stuff mm-hmm. that we just kind of don't notice and that's and that's what I loved about it. He's like, there's 500 people you can go talk to. You know, um, that's one of the things I just loved about that, that yeah. significance of that because he, he is really hitting on all the arguments. Like, according to the scriptures, well, I don't buy the scriptures. Okay, well, all then right. go talk yeah. to Cephas. Okay, oh, well, I don't like him. Well, right. go talk to the other 12. Well, yeah. well they're just the, they're the, yeah. you're the ones that run the church. We're not going to listen to them. Great. Go talk right. to mm-hmm. the 500. Okay. <laughs> yeah. well, and, if, and then he ends it like, go talk to any of the people that have the term mm-hmm. apostle, well, that are in this position of apostle. Mm-hmm. And even so, coming back to you, talk to me, right? Yeah. Like, like, I was you. Right. I didn't believe it. I hated the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, now I'm all in. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I like that part too. <clears throat> so just that mm-hmm. confident, like, like yeah. All right. Yeah. So. Yep. But you know, and, and kind of speaking, not to talk a lot about this Sunday because honestly, still working on it and still getting all thoughts going. Just to something that uh, I think a lot of us Christians don't understand, or I shouldn't say we don't understand it. We don't think about it a lot. Eternity is not a spiritual reality. Meaning it's physical. Like we're going to be physical. Mm-hmm. We're going to be. It's kind of going back to uh, Matt and I had the ability to go answer questions with the youth group on Wednesday, and a lot of questions about heaven, right? A lot yeah. of questions about heaven. And what's interesting is when we say the term heaven, we're we're, we're picture. I think most people in their brains mm-hmm. are picturing this. We're up in the cloud kind right. of thing, not the cloud, but like we're we're spiritually mm-hmm. someplace. With we lose the reality that. That's just yeah. a temporary existence until, until we are made physical again. Right. Yeah. Physical body, physical presence, mm-hmm. physical earth. Like we don't connect it to. Like we have this image as oh, yeah. the streets of gold. It's like mm-hmm. we're gonna be on earth. Yes, right. there's gonna be a new Jerusalem that it yeah. is like created in this amazing thing that's mm-hmm. described in the Bible. But we're still gonna be on a phys- there's gonna be, you know, some earth we're going to be on a new earth physical Mm -hmm. bodies you know um and and so we're going to talk that you know so we talk about our resurrection that's why it's so significant because we're not just these spiritual beings someplace Mm -hmm. in the presence of god it's one of the things that drives me a little bit nuts about christians um is the way we think about heaven right like we don't we don't think about heaven as something to look forward to Right, we mm-hmm. think about it as the better of the two destinations. Right, we think, okay, well, hell's yeah. going to be bad, heaven right. will be better. 
you know, and and it's a true statement. Hell is going to be bad and heaven will be better. But it's so underselling Mm. what the experience in heaven will be like. God is not... God, God is not preparing us for a ho-hum, not-that-bad eternal existence, right? right? God mm-hmm. is preparing us for something just awesome mm-hmm. that we can't even begin to comprehend. Um, and, and so this idea that, that heaven is going to be oh, just okay, mm-hmm. um, like if I think about what's my best day? And then I'll just live my best day over and over again. No, 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 no. Like, it's going to be fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, I think if we really understood the resurrection and we really understood heaven and being with Christ and, and, and what fantastic things there are to come. Mm-hmm. Like we just would not worry about this life nearly as much as we yeah. do. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't try right. to cling to it. Yeah. We wouldn't try to um we wouldn't try to get all of our great experiences here. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't want, you know, with all apologies to Joel Olstein, I, I wouldn't want my best life now. Like I don't mm-hmm. like right. we just don't understand mm-hmm. what's yeah. coming next. I read um a book earlier this year that was talk. I mean, the actual premise of the book was about the fear of the Lord, but one of the things he talked about in there was heaven and how awesome it's going to be. And I can't remember the exact words that he used, but I know like ecstasy was in that description of what it will be like when we finally um, get to meet Jesus and, and be in God's presence. And like that just, it just sounds so amazing. <laughs> I think we did a series on heaven, what, a couple of years ago mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that yeah. that I think came came from some legitimate, honest questions from people that will be in heaven. Like, well, mm-hmm. what's it going to be like and how will it go? And, um, you know, I remember that being eye-opening for myself and prepping for that, mm-hmm. you know, even more really than, I, yeah, than I ever <laughs> would have guessed. And I think I would encourage people that are, that are stuck thinking that maybe haven't been at the church that long or forgot or whatever that are stuck thinking that eternity is kind of somehow ho-hum. Uh, to go back and, and track that series a little bit, uh, read the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn, any of those things, just to kind of get a glimpse of why were the apostles so excited about seeing Jesus again and about their glory? I mean, why why would Paul say, like, man, it is actually better for me to be dead than it is mm-hmm. to be alive? You know, why why was it with such confidence that they refused to recant faith? Like, like it wasn't just because heaven is better than hell. Right. It was because heaven is awesome. And, and we just don't know. Mm-hmm. So. I always yeah. think it's interesting, um, kind of going back to what you were saying, David, with the 500, um, how there's always these accounts of witnesses in the New Testament. And so I'm curious um, why, why that is. I mean, I, I think maybe I kind of know a little bit, but I'm just curious to hear from you. So, um, clarify, like, what exactly are you asking, I guess? Um, like, what, what's the significance of them adding that into oh. their writings about there being witnesses well, at different 
Because you see that a lot. Yeah, in yeah. The I think my thought is just human nature, we're skeptics, mm-hmm. constantly skeptics. I mean, think about, you know, going back to even the topics we were having about spiritual, like the sign gifts and, and how you'll have some people that you'll talk to that have maybe experienced those. And, and they are very adamant of their existence and adamant. And then you have those that, of, of us that maybe have never seen that kind of stuff or experienced that. So there's this skeptic in us that instantly wants to like discredit, especially things that go against the natural world in which we live in. Because as soon as we step into something that we can't clearly define or explain in and of ourselves, we want to dismiss it because then it reminds us it's beyond us. It's something I can't control. It's something I can't explain. It's something I can't. So I I think the need for a lot of those examples to basically be like, you don't want to take my word. Here's all these other people because sooner or later, you just got to come to the place of saying, okay, either I'm just going to believe it and and listen to these people that have, you know, or I'm going to have to admit, I just don't want to. Right. Like the the overwhelming evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think about, even not just this, I remember, you know, uh, a lot of studying I've done with um, John Wesley. And I remember when he, you know, he was a man of faith, but his was a religious faith. And, and when he started meeting Christians that were full of joy and full of the spirit of God and full of confidence and, and could articulate this, we have the assurance of salvation. Wesley's like, I don't have that. And it, and it really messed with him. And one of the things he did was he started having conversations with as many people as he could that had that testimony because he wanted to understand it. He's just like, so he started to seek out like, cause he, he was skeptic. He's like, this goes against everything I was taught, everything I experienced up until this point. So he was another one's like, I don't get it, but I'm going to seek out other people and I'm going to learn and I'm going to try to discover it until he finally accepted it for himself. So I think that's why it's included is just that natural skeptic Mm -hmm. that we all are. Mm -hmm. We just want to dismiss it. That's not my experience. Okay. We'll go talk to people who have different experiences than you and discover it versus we just like to set in our little silo of not my experience, not the way I see it. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. you have plenty of people. You can go challenge what you, how you see it if you choose to. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I especially love that. He's like 500, like, like not even just a couple, but. That's a lot. Who was that doing the counting? Because like, that would yeah. take me forever. Yeah. Well, and the, the other thing I love about that is there is so much about Jesus's life and what he did that we have no yeah, clue right. of it. Like mm-hmm. Paul says, he appeared to 500 at one time. That was an event that is not recorded in the Bible. Sure. Like yeah. we don't know what the context of that was. We don't know where that happened. We don't know... You know, we don't know where these 500, like in the Bible, yeah, in the gospels, were, all we're told is him, his, his appearing to the apostles, to the disciples. We're not told about these large group right. gatherings that took place mm-hmm. or multiple people right. that he appeared to, mm-hmm. even if it was 500 individuals, we're not told about that. We're just mm-hmm. said he appeared in the upper room. He appeared here to them. So there's mm-hmm. so much that Jesus did even after his resurrection we don't yeah, have a no, clue yeah, of yeah. because it wasn't recorded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there's, there's a 40 days is well, a yeah. long time, uh-huh. right. Um, to, to be among yeah. people. And, uh, you would think that, that the idea of, Hey, that guy we were listening to and following, 
uh, you, you know, the one they killed, <laughs> um, he's around. Right. <laughs> like, right. You know what? Yeah. Let's like, go talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So you would, it, you, the gathering a crowd wouldn't have been that complicated um, for the resurrected Jesus. Right. It would have, it would have just been simple. Um, the question I have, right, is why were there only 120 in the room together in Acts? Um, I mean, Jesus shows up to 500 believers, mm-hmm. right? Like, like people, well, and maybe they weren't all believers yeah, like, at the time, but he shows up to 500 people. They knew him before he died. They see him after his resurrection, uh, but yet some of them still don't believe. And I think we read that in Matthew, right? In Matthew 28, um, you know, when Jesus gives them the great commission, um, it says that, that he gathered them together and some still didn't believe. Um, and I just, I have a hard time understanding how yeah. that is. And it goes back to, sometimes it just is a matter of, okay, I either am going to have to commit myself to my unbelief mm-hmm. right. or I'm going to surrender. Yeah, exactly. um, and sometimes we're just so stubborn in our unbelief that we just won't surrender. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love yeah. the way he, he lays all this out like a court case, right? Like, yeah. like let's present the evidence mm-hmm. and it's in increasing veracity. Right. Like, so yep. you get to the end and you're like, I, I got nothing left, right? Like, like right. you have no legitimate reason mm-hmm. to deny that this ever happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I just mm-hmm. started yeah. um, a verse by verse study on the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they actually just said was that one of the reasons why that's included in Acts, the, where it says a group numbering about 120, mm-hmm. is that according to Jewish law, um, Jewish law said if you had at least 120 people, you could form a government or a Sanhedrin. Hmm. So I, don't know, I thought that go. was yeah. kind of interesting. So, Not something I would know. And they did, right? Mm-hmm. The, the early church had its ruling council. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it had the apostles, and, and eventually it had James, Jesus' half-brother, mm-hmm. leading the charge. and. Um, but but one of the things I love about that first, it's it's not even Paul's point in writing, mm-hmm. right? right. Uh, but we just it, it's impossible to miss, mm-hmm. right? It's that it's the unspoken evidence. You know, one, it's just like here's the the evidence. Peter saw him, right? The twelve saw him. Uh, James, you know, the half brother saw him. All the leaders of the church, I saw him. So it's the unspoken evidence, though. Of and look what happened to them. Right? It's not just that they saw him, but, but you're like, the life that they lived was never the same again. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing that breaks my heart for myself, honestly, and, and, and for the church mm-hmm. um, here. Um, maybe in the West, maybe it's just my own personal experience. I don't know. But, but like we see, like, like we, we have the same experience that Paul had, right? We have a conversion experience. It's legitimate. We met Jesus. Maybe not visibly, but we met Jesus and, and, and Jesus changed our life. That's the reason for the hope within us. But then we don't have the same radical life change that those guys had. Like every single one of them had such radical life change that they were so markedly different Mm -hmm. and bold and faith filled and on fire and on mission um, and we, we tend to just try to, yeah, oh, we met Jesus and we're new. And then we try to fit him into the life yeah. that we're living. Right. We um, have no sense of urgency, Well, I feel like, sometimes. And do you think that's like, maybe we just need a good dose of persecution? I don't know. Like, I feel uh, like, like I was just reading something yesterday that said that they're predicting, like China is one of the fastest growing 
places where Christianity is, where people mm-hmm. are becoming Christians, and there's so much persecution there. Like, you can go to jail, and um, they're predicting that by, I think they said, like, the year 2060 or 2065, that half of the population in China will be Christian, which is kind of crazy because it's growing mm-hmm. so rapidly. Yeah. I, I think... I think the reality is that, and it's we see it play out in the biblical story in Acts, right? Persecution um, really does breed growth in the church, um, and it seems counterintuitive, right? Because what happens is you first shrink the church, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, right. If you think about it, what persecution does first and foremost is yeah. shrink mm-hmm. the church, but what's left? Mm-hmm. What's left is real and authentic and sold out. And God, I know it sounds cliche, right? But God can do more with with 20 sold out, faith-filled, bold, heaven-bound believers mm-hmm. than he can do with 200. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost kind of like what COVID did to the church. It is kind of what COVID did to the church, really, is a start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Not in its entirety. I, right. I wouldn't call COVID persecution necessarily. No, yeah. no, no, no. But, but, but it did start winnowing. Jesus mm-hmm. talks all the time about the winnowing fork, mm-hmm. right? That, that would separate wheat, the useful grain, from chaff, just the outer husk that was worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think every time we have persecution, that's, that, that's an a, a, a idea of this winnowing fork that mm-hmm. separates those that are easily swayed away, right? Mm-hmm. That just, yeah, I mean, that wasn't really, I mean, I was okay being a part of it, but it was never really it for me, yeah, like I, whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, and they go away. But the people that are left are people that are absolutely mm-hmm. in love with Jesus and they would not trade him for anything, including mm-hmm their security and their safety in this world. Mm -hmm. And so therefore we see something happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that's been all throughout Mm -hmm. scripture. And then we've seen it all throughout history. Um, we see, you know, it, it just is what it is. And I think we have to wrap our heads around that, that God will use the persecution, not that we invite it. We're not weird. We're not like, yes, please persecute us. Um, I mean, maybe we're weird, but, um, Sean has given Malia the side eye there um, about being weird. but I know I'm weird. I but it. you guys couldn't see it, and I appreciated it, so I wanted to share it with you. But we're not weird like asking, like, yes, please, let's be persecuted. Right. But, man, we fight. Like, like we, we fight like this is going to be the most tragic thing that's ever happened in our country mm. if Christians start to be persecuted. And you know what? It is going to be sad for me. Right, it's going to be mm-hmm. sad for me because my life is going to get harder. But right. oh my goodness, it ain't sad for the church. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the church is going to thrive, and the church is going to do what what God has ordained it to do. Um, and and so yeah, I, I think that's part of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think persecution is necessarily needed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it help. When I say it helps, it it's does purifying. help. But yeah. Ooh, that's- if, if you want my view. Um, and again, never been to China, so I can't say this because I've seen it firsthand, but my, my thought is this. Places where persecution's happening, I think they proclaim a different gospel than what we do here. And here's what I mean by that. 
we proclaim, of course, Jesus crucified, Jesus resurrected. We proclaim forgiveness, but we do it in a package that says, accept Jesus and he's going to make your life better. Mm-hmm. We do it from a temporary mm-hmm. point of view. Right. We make it out like, you know, there's there's something missing in your life and you need Jesus. The problem is we live in a country where you can have a very satisfying and a very comfortable life. And you're just like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, you know, so we've we've created a temporary mm-hmm. view of the gospel where I don't think they do that in other countries where there's persecution because you can't look at somebody in a persecuted country and be like, accept Jesus because he's going to make your life better. Right, yeah. Yeah, that is such it, a it's weird like, statement. So so we, that's why I don't think it, it, it we're seeing the growth here because it's the, it's, I'm not saying we don't proclaim the real gospel. The real right. gospel is, of course, Jesus, but we package it mm-hmm. in a very messed up way. Yeah. And then that's why I think you have people, Christians, so myself included, when you buy into that package, right? That's why I see, I think, a lot of American Christians, we're not joyful. We're not because we believe, but we also kind of have in the back of our minds like, well, I thought it was supposed to be easier. I thought it was supposed to be better. So you're not joyful. You're not excited. You're not you know, passionate because you're kind of like, well, when's the blessings going to start? When's the, you know, Jesus was supposed to make it better. Send money for that handkerchief. Well, yeah. Like when's my marriage going to get where it's supposed to be or when's because, and I've read this and I'm not saying that's not true, but I've read this also, you know, and, and people will say like one of the number one times that people accept Jesus is during hard times in life. We are pretty much, preaching this you need to have uh difficulty to want to have jesus so yeah. we've packaged it out hey you're going through a hard time guess what you need jesus mm-hmm. right we without saying it we are packaging like he's gonna make it better mm-hmm. well not yeah. really yeah. like he does don't, yes, I'm not, yeah. well but see not yeah. the way we package it right not the way we package mm-hmm. it you can't again you can't do that where it's like sign up for the church and you might be imprisoned you might lose everything you own you might lose your life because that's a gospel that's preached eternal focus not yeah. temporary focused yeah. yep, so i think that's one of the reasons we see what we see here mm-hmm. absolutely so yeah. we're it's we're yeah. just so comfortable here well but you know what we are so comfortable mm-hmm. here but david i really like the way you frame that right that that we're our gospel has more to do with this life and it goes back yeah, to our view absolutely. of heaven right yeah. our mm-hmm. gospel mm-hmm. has more to do with this life mm-hmm. than it does with the king of our hearts and the eternity to yeah. come uh, which is why you know the, the prosperity gospel doesn't play mm-hmm. real well in other countries, right? Right? Preaching mm-hmm. a gospel of Jesus wants you to be happy, healthy, and fulfilled um, in this mm-hmm. life, right? Like that's right. You're right. Like like <laughs> that's that's not the message of mm-hmm. now. If we get you baptized, right, your family mm-hmm. is going to turn on you, and your relationships are going to shatter, and your life is going to be mm-hmm. in danger, and there'll be you know, uh, financial fallout and all of these things. Like, it just doesn't, you know, uh, uh, Jesus wants you to be happy, healthy, and secure. That's not a that's not a gospel that preaches somewhere else. But in this mm-hmm. country, it does. You know where else it did? It, it did for a long time in Europe. And, and we see what's happened to the gospel there. And um, they are in a post-Christian, you know, phase significantly different than, than ours. Um, and it's just... You know, we're, we're on the way there unless right. we can figure out how to, to preach the gospel. Yep. But the reality is none of that is, I shouldn't say none of it, but that's not our concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you think about it. Our concern is 
what we believe and what we think and what we teach people mm-hmm. uh, and what we encourage people to walk in. Right. Um, David was praying earlier in staff meeting, and I, I always love the reminder because as a pastor, as staff at a church, it feels like it's all on us. But it was like, no, what's our job? Mm-hmm. To preach the true gospel yeah. Yeah. and to water and ultimately, what grows or doesn't grow, that's on God. Right. Um, yeah. That's up to Him. And it's just on us to do what He's put in front of us. And what He's put in front of us is just to tell the truth. Um, and that is that, uh, that the Christian life is hard, and it's worth it. Um, and, and Jesus is real, and the resurrection is real, and it should change us dramatically. Uh, anything we need to know, David, heading into this Sunday? I mean, I was reading through and I've got questions <laughs> so I'm hoping you address them on Sunday there's a well, lot there's a lot well what's your questions I'm not saying I'm going to answer them but they might um, actually help me as I continue yeah. formulating the sermon <laughs> well probably my biggest one is like verses 29 verse 29 like that was confusing to me like are they mm-hmm. doing something wonky with baptism there that he's addressing or no? So I'm, I probably won't address. I mean, I will in the, in the sermon a little bit. Uh, maybe, this is, we should, maybe you should read it. Do you have well, it yeah, up? yeah, I have it in front of me. Uh, so, so yeah, it says, uh, now, if there is no resurrection, what will those who are baptized for the... Wait, what will those who... What will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptizing for them? Um, so... Again, this is one of those interesting things in First Corinthians in the sense of we don't know the context of what was happening in the mm-hmm. church. We're making assumptions based sure. on, you know, kind of sure. tradition or, or that. So some of the stuff in studying, it sounds like what might have been happening was... And we can see some of this tradition still in, in some belief systems in, in the church is there was this kind of a substitute person. Like I might have had a loved one that passed away and because mm-hmm. my love for them and my care for them and my desire to ensure that they were with Jesus and that they were where they needed to be was, hey, Uncle Phil, step in for so-and-so and let's baptize you in substitution on, of them. On their behalf. Like, yeah. On their behalf. Huh. So we can see some of that still. I mean, again, you go to some traditions and it's like, well, I'm lighting candles for my passed away loved ones or I'm it was an intercession thing again there's different views of that but that's mm-hmm. kind of the primary that I keep kind of running into is this obviously they were you know and and it's and Paul's not bringing it up that's something that's important to understand Paul's not bringing this up because he's saying good job mm-hmm. he, like let's do that he's not affirming what they're doing right. but he's basically saying you guys are doing this so obviously you think there's some significance to the resurrection because you're you're going above and beyond to do this ritual um, so again, we have to be clear when we read the Bible, just because Paul brings it up, he's not saying, Hey, we need to start doing that in the church. He's not affirming it. He's basically pointing out a practice to speak to the importance they're putting on the resurrection and kind of, again, challenging their thought process. If there's no resurrection, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why are you bothering to do this if mm-hmm. there isn't truth to the resurrection? So I can just like yeah. this whole section. I feel like I can picture Paul like waving his arms and just like very animated 
if he was like reading this to them or saying that because he said there's some bold statements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think this. Uh, I mean, it's first good. of all, these 58 verses yeah. are are the most thorough treatment of the resurrection that we have, and mm-hmm. so they they are so critically important. And and in that vein, I think the Holy Spirit was really moving in Paul yeah. as as he as he dictated these words, but. But more than that, I think for Paul, we go back to the way his life so radically changed. You know, it was because of the resurrection that his life was so radically different. Um, he's like, I used to believe this, but now because of the resurrection, I believe something different. Um, I, I used to devote all of my time and energy religiously here. Now I devote it here. And I used to think all of this mattered. Now I think it's all trash and garbage. And instead, I think this is it. And I'd rather die right now and go be with Jesus um, than than linger here any longer, but I'll keep working as long as I'm here. I mean, for him, it is Mm -hmm. so significant that that I do think there is just uh, an intensity that we get with this topic that that maybe we haven't seen um, throughout the letter on a regular basis. This is just so significant. Do we know this? Where is Paul? Ephesus. Okay. Thank you. When he was writing this. Okay. So yeah, I mean this is this is intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I love it. Like 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 he even goes so far as to say like like you you know you don't become a Christian because God will make your life better, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. if our faith is just for this life, then we should be more pitied than anybody mm-hmm. else, right? So it's not to fix the hole in your heart. Um, yes, you've got one, mm-hmm. right? You were created for eternity, and and you're not in it, and that means you know you need mm-hmm. something else. But you know. Jesus, Jesus wants to help your marriage, but you don't come to him because you mm-hmm. need help in your marriage and expect that to be it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if that's all you get, you're to be pitied more than anybody else, um, uh, I, which yeah. is a strong statement. I feel like mm-hmm. Paul is the yeah. first to like, without saying it, but coining the YOLO <laughs> statement. You only live once. Yeah. Cause you know where he's like, basically like, if this isn't true, let us eat and drink. And for tomorrow we die. I feel like he's like YOLO. Well, okay, <laughs> but you know he's you, you know he's quoting Solomon from Ecclesiastes. <laughs> no, there, so. huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, he is. Oh, okay, cool. So if you read, so if, then it would actually so be Solomon, right? Yeah. So if you read, no. if you read Ecclesiastes, it, Solomon no. said, "What's left? Right, eat, drink, uh, <laughs> because tomorrow we die." And then Dave yeah, Matthews nice. wrote a song about it later. Okay. <laughs> Which ultimately Solomon okay, summed it so all up when he Solomon said, "There's nothing him. new under the sun, anyways. <laughs> right. It's all been said yeah. before. It's all been by Solomon." So well, <laughs> so uh, that's too funny. Yeah, but I'm looking forward right. to this Sunday. Yeah, that's I think gonna be a good one. David, David's no got pressure. a lot of a lot of good things to to share with us, and I'm confident it's going to be awesome. And I think anytime you're talking about the resurrection, yeah, um, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening.